Welcome into this edition of the Golf Central Podcast presented by Callaway Golf. I'm Lav, soon to be joined by Rex, and the PGA Tour season has wrapped up. We'll recap the FedEx Cup finale and hand out some awards. Plus, Liv has its latest wave of long-rumored and now official defectors. We'll break down what it means for both the Saudi back tour as well as the PGA Tour. But first, Callaway has developed their longest irons ever in the new Rogue ST line. These irons are breaking ground with a high-strength 450 AI face cup that's never been seen before in the industry. Callaway has continued to push innovation through their patented urethane microspheres and have massively increased their precision tungsten weighting. The Rogue ST lineup is available in four options to suit every type of player, including the Rogue ST Max for incredible speed, forgiveness, and performance. They're available now. And for more information, visit CallawayGolf.com. Rex, uh, speaking of forgiveness, I am slated to play my first round of golf since the Monday after the Masters uh, later this week, heading up uh, to my in-laws' place at Reynolds, Loca, uh, Reynolds Lake Oconee. Of course, uh, the big game on Saturday, Georgia, Oregon, a Chick-fil-A kickoff game, 3.30 uh, on ABC. I'm sure you'll be checking that out. What, what's, your, what's your prediction uh, for when I finally put uh, some steel to golf ball here? Uh, wait, I remember you playing TPC Sawgrass during some sort of media day, and it, you said it inspired you to play golf game. When was that? That, uh, since it was a media day for the Players' Championship, uh, of course, it was before the Players' Championship. Okay. That'd be, that'd be, um, that'd be February. No, I was trying to get just get a date on it. It's, you haven't played since the Monday after the Literally have not played golf since the Monday after the Masters. Now, keep in mind, I was, I was pretty encouraged. Uh, you and I had played uh, the Sunday before at Palmetto, literally one of the highlights of my entire year. And then as I was warming up on the range before my round at Augusta National, felt a little bit of a, a, a twinge in my uh, long-injured right elbow. Uh, knew it was going to be a terrible day, uh, was, was afraid of, of taking a divot for the rest of the day, barely broke 90, and haven't even thought, haven't even thought about taking the clubs out of the garage. Just zero desire, zero enthusiasm. Uh, I'm, not sure, I'm not so sure this is going to go well. Uh, and we didn't, take, we didn't do the trip uh, over to the British Open early like we normally No, do. didn't even bring my clubs. That's normally like, yeah, my, that's like a great boondoggle. Didn't even consider it. Um, we, we need to, we don't do new year's resolutions, but we should endeavor to play more golf in 2022, 2023. I, I do I think mean, that. I just, I just don't know when it's going to happen. Uh, well, I think you have to carve out some time. I mean, this is me saying that, so I'm probably not the best person, but I, I there was a time as a golf writer and it, it, it's been within your lifetime when, if you didn't play golf on Tuesday or Wednesday, it was a, it was a surprising week. Like what's going on? Why wouldn't you play golf? So and we did. I, we should have taken the clubs last week. Like, what, what were we doing until not ten o'clock every morning? You were um, sitting. In your I was FaceTiming, FaceTiming yeah. with the kids, uh, uh, attempting to get in a workout when uh, the hotel gym was approximately eighty-seven degrees. Actually, I don't even think that was approximately. I think that was literally uh, eighty-seven degrees. I, I found I found excuses, but once again, the golf clubs. When I took them out of my car, took them out of my Jeep, on I think I think it was. April 11th, and I slapped them into the back of the garage and I set them down uh, in the back. I have not touched them. I have not touched them since. And we're now four or five months removed. 
All right. So what's uh, so what's so what's your what's your prediction? I want to I want to have it uh, on record. You you predicted I believe eighty four at the Masters. Clearly you're going you're going higher. I didn't know you were injured. Players. Had I had that, yeah, I didn't have the injury. I did, I, to be honest, to be honest, I didn't know I was injured as well. Had I known it was a it's an upper body issue, I probably would have been much much higher than eighty four. I felt comfortable with eighty four based on what you did at Palmetto just a few days earlier. So yeah, it, I guess if I'm going to guess here, and again, no injuries to speak of, you're not hiding anything from us, Tom Brady. Like there's, you're fine. I'll be, I'll be having, I'll be having my, uh, Scott McCarran elbow strap on. Okay. Well, me too. You and I both. Uh, so if all those things considered, you break 80, but I mean, you, I mean, I'm sorry. You break, break 80. 90. My God. You break 90, but you don't do it. It's not pretty. And you gotta, you gotta fight hard to do it. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm pro- I feel like I'm probably somewhere in that vein. Uh, you know, there's, there's the occasional times, Rex, and I'm sure you've, uh, enjoyed this as well, where you take a long layoff, right? you know, a month or two, and then you get out, you get out there and you actually exceed uh, your expectations. Uh, I've, I've, I've blown past the point of being, uh, being rusty uh, to the point where I just may not know how to swing the golf club anymore. Uh, so we're going to see what happens. I'll keep you folks posted. I know you've been dying uh, to know a little bit more about my golf game. How about guys, Rex, uh, who had no trouble breaking 90? Uh, and that was the field at the tour championship. You and I were together at East Lake, it looked like it could have been. Yeah, thank you very much. It looked like it could have been a Sunday snoozer. Scotty Scheffler, six shot lead heading into the afternoon. Eighteen. It ended up being anything but. With Rory McIlroy taking the lead for the first time in the entire golf tournament on the sixteenth hole and winning by a shot over Scotty and Sung J M. Let's first start with Rory, the FedEx Cup champion, eighteen million dollars richer. Uh, what was you, what were your impressions of of Roy storming from behind just as he did in 2019 to win the title? I, I thought it was funny. I was doing Golf Central last night, and we were talking about other things. But Trip Eisenhower went on one of his soapbox dealies where he was talking about, okay, this is what you have to do to fix the Tour Championship because I feel like that's that's just what you do on the Monday every year after East Lake. And he I, must I he must not have read my column. Uh, must not have, must not have sat next to you all week last week and heard you, you spew that your fix to anyone and everyone who would walk by. If any someone walked by just to pick up the garbage, you were going to tell him exactly, hey, want to know how we can make this better? I've got an idea. I like, no, I like the staggered start uh, format. Uh, In fact, I, I wrote that. I put, I put pen to paper Saturday night of Eastlake to say I actually think the format is working. Uh, it is working, and I think I got caught on camera because Tripp's response was, I mean, if you start the week 10 strokes back, you have no chance that, you know, so they're not really playing for much. And I, I couldn't get in fast enough that not only was Rory 10 strokes back, but he was 70 holes to play. Rory was 70, back. 70 holes to play. So he didn't even have the full boat at that point. He'd already given up two holes because of the way he started. Um, I, I thought what he was able to do in, in a couple things that went into it. I talked to Brad Faxon on Sunday, who was working with Rory in his putting or before his round, before the final round. And, and I go, what did you tell him? And he goes, I told him you don't have to get it all in two or three holes. Like, don't just don't panic. If you, if you haven't closed the gap by the time you get to the turn, don't panic. Like, you still have time. Just try to chip away at it. And I found it fascinating that Roy admitted after the round that he didn't think he could do it. That he thought it was very much a long shot. He shouldn't be have it. been able to do it. And he needed help, and he got help. Like, I don't think anybody counted on Scotty playing the way he did simply because of the way he finished his round on Sunday morning. Now, now had it been a continuation of – the way he'd been playing Saturday when I believe he was even par through 12 holes, 
yeah, all right, you could have seen that. But when he came back Sunday morning, he felt like he looked like he was a different player and he got some help. But Rory, I don't want to take anything from Rory in this situation. You still have to go out and shoot that round under that scenario. Now, you, one of your other tirade last week is you hate East Lake as a golf course. Am I, oh, am I over-exaggerating it's, that? No, it's, it's an uh, atrocious golf course. It, uh, in desperate need of the renovation that's apparently, apparently about to undergo. Uh, no, after next year's tournament. I believe that's what we were told. Is it not? I yeah, believe soon. it's after next year's tournament. Yeah, soon. 2023. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't disagree with you. It, it's a bit mundane. It's, it's boring. It's, it's aged. It's ordinary. It's aged is what I would say. Like in this day and time, I, I, I feel like it needs to. Uh, that's Jack-Jack actually. Oh, look, there's a, uh, there's a deer in our yard is why they're so excited. Uh, it's walking right by. I kind of live in the, in the forest in case you guys were curious. Um, but I will counter because your argument's always going to be we need to rotate this around. That's not going to happen. I mean, I can give you three really good reasons, but I don't it need is, to get it. It is inherently unfair. How could you have an eighteen million? It is inherently unfair prize? because it Rory is. owns this place. But you wouldn't say the same thing about toys. Vander Shockley owns this owns this place. There's sure. guys on the PGA Tour who have zero chance to win the FedEx Cup because this is anchored to a golf course that's that suits a very particular style of play and look i'll i'll say this there if, if you look at let's let's say a kevin kisner qualifies for the masters almost every single year uh based on his world ranking or maybe he won the, the season before on the pga tour he knows when he steps uh foot on augusta national that he has zero chance to win the masters however that's okay because he has three other major championship opportunities throughout the course of the year the pga tour's grand finale is is too lucrative. It, it's too important for the tour brand to just be anchored to a single site in which it is now proven first with Tiger Woods and now with the likes of Roy McIlroy and Xander Shoffley that these guys' games fit perfectly. It, it excludes a certain brand of PJ Tour player. You can't have an $18 million first place prize in which only a handful of players will be able to perform well enough at Eastlake in order to get that type of loot. That's all I'm saying, Rex. First, I, I don't think Eastlake is a very good golf course. Maybe that'll be changed uh, after a renovation. I just don't like the fact that it's, these are straightaway 470-yard par fours with, with thick Bermuda rough on, uh, on each side and some fairway bunkers and some pretty uh, flattish greens. I don't like the golf course, but I think, in fairness, it needs to have some sort of of rotating cycle. I understand the circumstances uh, may uh, make that prohibitive. I understand that there are uh, corporate sponsors who have uh, significant ties to the Atlanta region, but for the sake of fairness for the PJ tours grand finale, uh, it needs to, it needs to expand for the field. You gas back through that whole thing. Oh man, you're, you're, you're going, you're going outside. You're checking on the deer, you're getting a, getting a snack. I think you even went to the bathroom. Uh, I didn't do any of that. I just moved inside because the Welcome deer back. and the dogs were. But I knew once you got wound up that uh, okay, I've got exactly four minutes. Take it a break. This is this is exactly why we can't have the video component to this. It's, well, it's going to be choppy. Rex going for the next couple of minutes. Oh. It was such a good conversation, and Rex is gone because it, someone's <laughs> gas bagging for four minutes. Uh, I, I don't disagree that it's a boring golf course. It absolutely is a boring golf course. However. You can say the same thing about Toy Ponds. You can say the same thing about Bay Hill. You can say the same thing about Mirrorfield Village. All those courses where Tiger Woods was dominant. Who says that? Everyone, I mean. Who says that Mirrorfield's a boring golf course? 
Oh, I'm not. I didn't say that. What I'm saying is because Tiger Woods was Strong dominating man. on those golf courses, no one would ever make that argument. You're just making that argument. Firestone. Right Firestone's not a particularly inspiring golf course. Uh, a lot of out and back. There was a there was a bit of yeah that sort of aged sort of dustiness to it that I, I would attest I would attribute to East Lake right now. What I would say is, and I get what you're saying. Like Patrick Cantlay is probably going to have a hard time winning here for no other reason than it's Bermuda grass, and he historically has not played his best golf on Bermuda grass, although he has had success on it. That's always going to be the case. It doesn't matter what tournament it is or where you go. There's going to be players. Kevin Kisner, hates but not, but none of, but none of the other ones have eighteen million dollars attached to them. Uh, Kevin Kisner hates playing on the East Coast, uh, on the West Coast, because he grew up in in Georgia's. I mean, he hates playing on Poa. You're right. There's a significance to this tournament, but you keep glossing over the main fact here. The, the sponsors of the Tour Championship want that event in Atlanta. They wanted it East Lake. That's the whole Tom Cousins and the community. I mentioned this. I mentioned this. I, I understand that. You don't understand it because you keep wanting to gloss over it. And you keep wanting to just dismiss it. You don't think, it. Like, you don't think there are other corporate sponsors throughout the country who would love to host the PJ Tours grand finale. Is that, is that what you're suggesting? No, that, but that, that Atlanta, who's got a good partner in Coca-Cola. And Southern and company Southern and company. Coca-Cola are the only ones. Yeah. Uh, absolutely not. But if you have a good scenario, why, why in the world would you start looking for somewhere else? This isn't even a conversation they have internally, I guess, is my point here. That I, I get why you get so caught up on this because – you look at this golf course as being the type of place where only a specific player can win. I would counter and say the players that were in contention were probably two of the players that had the best year in golf. I mean, Roy McIlroy. Because Scott the Eastman. format's working. Uh, people, who, if, people who read format's column, working, and if you're playing well. People who read my column on Saturday night at East like, know that the format is working. Don't disagree with that either. I mean, I, I think the format is working as well because in this particular scenario, you had a player who looked like he was going to run away with it, but you still have to do it. I mean, Scotty Scheffler looked like he was just going to, I mean, through, I'm going to go ahead and call it two rounds. We're like, we were looking at a snoozer on Sunday. Like this was going to be a coronation and you and I were going to be able to write early and be out of there at 630 as soon as the can press we, conference was done. Rex, can we, can, we, can, we pour, can we pour out a drink for Sean Martin, who was gathering stuff on a Scotty <laughs> coronation? I believe it was on Friday. It was definitely, it was Friday, definitely yeah. Saturday, but he was gathering on Friday in anticipation of Scotty running away with this. All of those great quotes and anecdotes that I'm sure that he accumulated will never see the light of day. You, you just you just hate to see it. Uh, how did you drive home on uh, on Sunday night? You drove it was long. Yeah, it was it was fun. It was it was five hours uh, on the mm-hmm. dot. Got to fuel up my rental car uh, and hopefully uh, did not get scammed. Uh, I guess we'll find out in a week or so. Whether that was the case, uh, I, I sustained myself uh, with Kit Kat bars uh, <laughs> and Powerades uh, and some of my favorite hip hop. Uh, we could put it. We could put a put in that. Nothing else uh, happened. Whatever. That it was a, an uneventful. Otherwise, <laughs> except except for the raccoon uh, who was just absolutely <laughs> obliterated uh, when my Toyota Camry was going ninety miles an hour on on I ten uh, and was just uh, smashed to smithereens. Other than other than that, uh, at about one thirty in the morning. Uh, it was a very uneventful drive. Just to put a bow on this, Rex, to, to get back to the golf, I, I do find the similarities eerie, eerily similar between Rory in 2019 and Rory in 2022. And he even alluded to this uh, in his winner's press conference. You look at back at, at 2019, it was a good, probably not a great year, won three times, didn't win a major, of course, uh, had this uh, stirring Sunday to win the Canadian Open. Uh, he outdueled the, then the world number one Brooks Kepka at the Tour Championship. He was first on tour in scoring average. 
Uh, his first in strokes gained total, one of the best statistical years that he had in his career. Speaking of 2019, this year, 2022, almost a carbon copy, almost exactly the same. Three wins, won the Canadian Open, overcame the world number one to win the Tour Championship, first in scoring average, first in strokes gained total. The point being, Roy McIlroy uh, is very good at golf. And we didn't even get Rex into the poetry, the symmetry of him winning this tour championship and this FedEx cup in this year for that, you can go over to golfchannel.com and check out both of our stories. How about Scotty though, Rex Scotty Scheffler top seed heading into the uh, season finale, uh, six shot lead. That was the uh, tied, the largest blown lead on the PGA tour in history. Do you think that this at all dents what will be Scotty Scheffler's player of the year campaign? No, I don't think so. I mean, look, Roy had a not even year. a little because he was he was hurting. I mean, he had he had reddened eyes. It took him a long time to emerge from the scoring trail. This this clearly took a lot out of him. Uh, I mean, I would say his primary competition would be Roy. Would you disagree with that? I mean, it, the, when the ballot comes out next Monday, it's going to be Scotty. It's going to be Rory. It's going to be who, there'll be others on there. They always like to kind of cloud the ballot a little bit. And Roy himself said Sunday night that Scotty's the player of the year. I mean, I mean, Cameron this Cameron is, Smith this, Cameron Smith had he won. The tour championship. You could have made an argument. You could have. I, I, I had think, that I argument. You, I, think made a, I think you could have made a really good argument. And I think almost an argument could be made that he's the player of the year, uh, even, even without winning the tour championship. Uh, certainly it is. I think now that today's news came out, I mean, confirmed what we've kind of known for a long time, that Cameron Smith is going to live golf. That's going to sway a lot of guys' decisions. Like, I mean, I, I did a lot of reporting on this, never got a chance to actually write it because he didn't really put himself into contention at Eastlake. But, I mean – you want to do the right thing. Every player I talked to talked about, well, it should, we should make this vote based on what he did on the golf course, not what he did off the golf course. But it's impossible for you to ignore the fact that you're turning your back on the tour. I mean, Are I you think saying I human have beings have inherent biases? Uh, yeah, and it's a popularity contest. And I think in this particular case, who is the most popular player on the PGA Tour right now? I don't think that – Roy McIlroy, even... just as he was in 2019, which I think was a large reason why Brooks Kepka did not win. Uh, it is it is there's irony though back when he was a rookie rory was a rookie he lost the rookie of the year race to ricky fowler and the same arguments were made then that oh it was a popularity contest so it's interesting how it kind of came full circle Uh, that is interesting uh go back going back to the you don't think this at all damages his season it it almost rex i I look at this as a as a what could have been season for Scotty Scheffler to keep in mind entering the uh, waste management Phoenix open in early February, Scotty Scheffler, not yet a winner on the PJ tour ended up ripping off four wins, including the masters uh, in about a two month span. Ever since then, he has come close, but has not yet added to his win total loss in a playoff to Sam Burns at colonial uh, came within one shot of forcing a playoff at the U S open. And now this, this close call, at Eastlake. Scotty Scheffler, unbelievable season. He will uh, be a slam dunk for PGA Tour Player of the Year, but I also can't help but think that Scotty Scheffler will view this year a little bit as unfinished business. I think he'll have, he'll have uh, plenty of fuel and motivation when 2023 rolls around. Well, the injury at St. Andrews, that certainly set him back. I, I don't know the technical term, but uh, I believe it's a... Uh, injury? Can you, uh, can you elaborate? Yeah, this, I can. Because this was... Because this, to me, was the story... This, this was. was the story that this was the story of the tour championship. It, it really was. He revealed, I believe it was Thursday to a group of reporters that 
if you go back to Memphis where he missed the cut, he said, I was playing well. He goes, just a weird week. And then go back to St. Andrews. He goes, I had some injuries, you know, a little injury I was dealing with. And of course, reporters being reporters, we jumped on that like a, you know, like a bone in the water. And uh, the injury was, and I don't know the medical term. I, I think I'm, this might be correct. I believe it's oily, hairy butt crack syndrome. Uh, look that up. Actually, I, I think. WebMD. Let me just. Yeah, WebMD that one just to make sure. There's just, uh, there's just a picture of Scotty's face. That's right. Um, and it was, uh, it's a weird thing that apparently was very, very painful and apparently actually took a procedure after Sunday's final round to just sort of a gouging, just taking just, a scalpel and just a shovel and just getting in there. I mean, and, and the amount of love you and I both have wonderful wives and I did, but I don't know that I could ask my wife, Hey, can you take a look at this? What do you um, think of this? Uh, considering I had an engorged tick. <laughs> Uh, following my uh, Lyme disease diagnosis in 2014. And my wife, uh, my loving wife, Amy, uh, dug it out, uh, which, which, which to this day is the worst pain I've ever experienced. And then she was uh, tasked with applying ointment uh, to that spot for the next two weeks. So I, yes, I, I, I would say that she would participate in this. Uh, I don't know that mine would. She would uh, she'd go to WebMD. She would say this is how it needs to be done. And then she'd probably point me to the door and tell me to go to some sort of urgent care. To, oh, I thought she would have taken like perverse pleasure uh and and hacking and hacking out your upper butt crack she doesn't know she's got a weak constitution so i don't even think she could pull it off like like even if she had the gumption and and cared enough to give it a shot no she's not she the gag reflex would have kicked in and suddenly both of us are sitting there gagging and about to throw up it'd be bad scene man i mean after that after that revelation on thursday on thursday i couldn't help (laughs) but think of scotty the rest of the week uh, as temperatures climbed to about 90, the humidity was about 150%, uh, and all of us uh, were just dripping with sweat. But I am, as, as you say, uh, now that this injury uh, concern is behind Scotty Scheffler, uh, he's still just 26 and has a, has a life full of uh, healthy uh, butt cracks uh, to go. Rex, let's go to the news of the day. We're recording this on Tuesday, long rumored, now official. Six players have now signed with Live Golf. That group includes uh, reigning Open and Players Champion Cameron Smith, as well as world number 19, Joaquin Neiman. Those are the headliners. Also making the jump over Harold Varner III, Mark Leishman, Cameron Tringali, and Anurban Lahiri, all of whom uh, you were first to report. Well done, Rex. I know that was a, a bit of uh, touch and go for a little while, but uh, kudos to you uh, for breaking that story. What's your reaction? Not a surprise, obviously, but what's the effect? Uh, not a surprise. Like I said, we, we saw this coming, I guess. That, well, twofold. They, they asked me this this morning on the show. And I guess I, I'll go back to Trevor, the President's Cup captain for the international team. And I'm sure he saw this coming. He knew well, I was trading text messages with him on Saturday when I was breaking the story. So clearly he knew about it. I just imagine him sitting in, a, in a, what clearly is a very nice office that has the Masters Clubhouse replica sitting right behind him. I can only imagine and just head in hands, scotch in the other hand, just shaking his head, trying to figure out what, how did this happen? Because go back three years when he took this job, like none of this could have possibly been they on were, the horizon. They were coming off their their closest President's Cup ever. I mean, it was it was wildly entertaining, uh, very competitive over the four days. Uh, the, the Tiger Woods captain and led uh, U.S. team just nearly uh, uh, eked out a, a comeback victory on Sunday. And Ernie else, I mean, I think we dismiss very, very quickly what Ernie did to that team. He created that logo. I still don't understand what the logo is, but he gave it, he he gave that team something 
to sort of rally behind, which had been missing throughout all of those events. Because let's face it, you're playing for however many different countries, you're playing for however many different flags. Like I think Ernie had tapped into something finally, and he finally started to get a core that maybe going forward we can make this competitive. Let's let's be honest. It has not been competitive in the least until they've won once. Uh, they won once. Yes. And it's it's not even been competitive. Had had it been one and two point victories here and there then you'd be like well they're just getting bad breaks maybe they just need one or two guys to push them over the top most of them weren't even close and so the argument was ernie had tapped into something and they were heading in the right direction that's the job that trevor took two and a half years ago or three years ago whatever the case may be can you again imagine now sitting in that plus office today looking at that roster that he has and missing from that roster is louis tason brennan grace who for better or worse would have been on that team and they have been a rock for that team. They're the only twosome that ever went undefeated for the international side. I mean, they were the few pairings that he could point to and say, yes, that's going to work. The world number two, Cam Smith, gone. Mark Leach. Abe Answer. Abe Answer. Carlos Ortiz. Ortiz. Uh, keep going. That Mark Leachman would have been a pick. He, he would have been on that team. He would have probably been Cam's partner since they played together in New Orleans every year. Joaquin Neiman would have been a key part of that team. Keep going down the list. It, it's just gone. It, it feels like this was this was a Marvel movie and everyone just disintegrated into thin air and went to live golf. I, I just made Greg Norman out to be Thanos. Didn't I? That's what I, I, I just went. I went too far. Didn't I? I'm not, a, I'm not a movie goer, but sure. Oh, you didn't get the reference. I mean, I could put you know two and two Thanos. together that it was a movie reference. You don't know who Thanos is. Not even a little. Uh, this is going to be fun on Twitter. Actually. Is that, is that, is that a Paw Patrol character? Uh, yeah, sure. Let's go with that. Sure. Anyway. Okay. So that was my first reaction. Like, can you imagine how he has had to scramble now over this last week, trying to figure out, I mean, his picks are going to come next week, next Tuesday. He's going to have to sit down. He has two extra picks now because he has to replace Neiman and Cam Smith. Uh, looking at the list, there's not a bunch of guys that jump off that list as we can, we can go down it. That was the first one that stood out. And I guess the, the second one, and again, I mentioned this this morning, was Joaquin Neiman was in that room in Delaware. And there was very few guys, 23 players in that room with Tiger Woods, and Rory McIlroy. And when they sat down at the players only meeting and they decided this is, this is where the tour is going. This is what we're going to make our future. And all of us need to get behind this. I was told by one player in that room when I asked him, how'd you get, who decided who got an invite? And it was very, very quick that, well, I mean, we weren't going to invite guys who were going to live. And I'm just curious what the conversation was before that meeting between, I can only assume Rory and, and Joaquin and how that conversation evolved since that meeting. Because you allowed someone in that room now, in retrospect, that can now go to live golf and say, well, this is what they said. This is what they're thinking. I, I just find that very difficult to wrap my mind around. I found it intriguing just from a storytelling point of view. I mean, it's, it's wild. Uh, Cameron Young as well, I would also put uh, in yeah. that category. Two guys who have been wooed uh, endlessly by live golf uh, over the past couple of months when it comes to Cameron Young. Had an opportunity to speak uh, with him on Sunday. He admitted, Rex that he was, quote, very interested in live golf. He thought they had a fresh approach, that he thought they had a bunch of really good ideas, and yet he determined that at age 25, uh, not uh, fully exempt uh, into all the majors for the foreseeable future and still wanting to play on things like the President's Cup and the Ryder Cup in the future, he thought it was too risky uh, career-wise to make that jump at this point, although he did say, that his only wish was that this had come at a different juncture in his career that he is right now. So take that 
uh, for what it could mean. You, you know, I think a, a big appeal for Cameron Smith, and we're going to get into him in a little bit, is the fact that he has major security now for the next five years. And so I think that's a storyline to watch. The major champions in 2023 is kind of the pressure off to then play the PGA Tour, and you can go seek some of these nine-figure paydays that a bunch of other guys uh, have cashed in. Now, when it comes to Joaquin Neiman, uh, I talked to him on Saturday following uh, some reports that that he'd either signed, was thinking about signing, and he told me that he was still uh, very much undecided at that point. Uh, Carlos Rodriguez, his agent uh, at GSE, which has funneled players uh, over to the rival league, uh, went so far as to say uh, that Joaquin Neiman was going to talk with his father on Sunday night, immediately found the tour championship and make his decision two days later. Uh, he was officially announced. I can kind of understand Joaquin Neiman's jump here, Rex. I know he won at Riviera earlier this year uh, for his second PGA Tour win. Uh, the fact that he's 23 years old, it's certainly a little bit of a calculated risk on his part. But at 23, he's also one of the youngest full-time members on the PGA Tour. His mentor, Sergio Garcia, has already gone to live. His best friend on the PGA Tour, Carlos Ortiz, has already gone to live. One of his other best friends and his fellow compatriots and fellow Chilean, Mito Pereira, as you reported for GolfChannel.com on Saturday night, is going to eventually join live, presumably after the President's Cup. The PGA Tour is a brotherhood uh, full of camaraderie. These guys travel in packs, particularly the international players. And so for him to make this jump, uh, it's certainly risky at age 23 without uh, being a shoe in for majors beyond 2023. He's exempt in the 20 in, to exempt uh, three of the four majors, at least next year, by virtue of making the tour tour to the tour championship. Uh, but it certainly was a little bit of a risk on his part, but I do think he was undecided as of that meeting. And so I don't, I, I think it was kind of like a listening meeting as opposed to here's, here's where I stand on things. Which is even more fascinating because we, I think we had this conversation last week based on the changes that the tour has have now enacted going forward. A lot of those changes coming out of, of that meeting. I, I am curious if this is going to stem the tide. Like now the tour, this is the answer. You can lay the blueprint out. The star players are behind it. This is the answer. Going back two years, had they done this, and you know, playing the, the what if game on this one, but had they done this, would we be in a different position than we are in right now? At least in Joaquin Neiman's case, no, apparently. We wouldn't be in a different position. So I, I, it is interesting to me. Uh, I, I would agree with that. And I think, I think it does stem the tide just because of the timing aspect. Like we knew there was going to be a wave of defections following the end of the FedEx Cup season. When you look at Joaquin Neiman and Cameron Smith uh, in particular, their FedEx Cup bonuses uh, totaled $1.59 million. Uh, and then they bolted for the rival league. Just how Liv is going to be set up in the fall. I believe they have five more events uh, yet to play uh, this calendar year before their league format, the official 14 tournament league concept uh, gets started next spring. Look like the 48 player field is locked by all intents and purposes. Like it, all those spots are accounted for. That may just be kind of a leverage play uh, for Greg Norman and the live folks, but they're not going to have this constant slow drip of defections one by one, where you're wondering whether PJ tour players are staying and going. And so I do think there will at least be a little bit of continuity next year. And we don't have to deal with some of this endless drama. Let's hone in Rex uh, specifically on Cameron Smith. Uh, the, the rumors started to circulate right around the open championship. He had that awkward encounter, of course, uh, in the winner's press conference uh, where he, he kind of um, 
thought it was rude and disrespectful of a reporter to ask after uh, Wayne declare at Jug about his live intentions. And of course, you had uh, the, the exchange as well a couple of weeks later following the Telegraph report that he had officially signed for 100 plus million dollars. So we kind of knew this was coming down the pipeline. He's not wanted to talk about it over the past couple of weeks. What's the upshot here? What are you what are you taking away from Cameron Smith's decision? I mean, is there an upside other than for Cameron Smith, who, if it's a hundred million dollars, good for him. Like that's generational wealth. That's lifetime wealth. And I, I think that's the motivating part. I guess when Cameron Young and I, have, I, I don't want to pick on Cameron Young because they all say the same thing. But when you say you're intrigued by whatever it is they're doing at Live Golf, what you're saying is you're intrigued by the money. Because I don't think anyone's looking at that format thinking that's the future of golf. Now, maybe we get there because I think we've had this conversation before, like the idea of what they're trying to get to next year there is some intriguing parts of that. And I, I made the argument that if you are going to do teams and there's going to be some sort of manager and there's going to have to be some sort of trading and there's going to have to be some sort of decision-making as far as whose scores you use, whose scores you don't. I think sometimes fans I like love that. I like fans that. Love the, yeah. Fans love the transaction sometimes more than they like the competition. We sit around in the off season and we sit and watch in the NFL and the NBA because we love the transaction. So this brings that element to golf that wasn't there before. So I am intrigued by that but for a player and again cam young not he doesn't need catching strays at this point because he has moved he's on filling, he's filling he's filling the ricky role ricky's, ricky's role uh but when you say you're you're intrigued you're intrigued by the money that's it and and th- that's what cam was and i think there was also something to be said for and in cam's particular case i think you wrote about this when he won the players when you not only talked about the stones you wrote quite a bit about his stones but you also pointed out how close he is to his family and he does like the idea of being able to go home to Australia for a three or four month stretch. This schedule, the live golf schedule gives him that opportunity, 14 events. And you would, you would think he'd get into the majors because he's currently qualified. We don't know where that's going to go in the, in the future. So 18 events over the course of, course of 52 weeks. And that does give him plenty of time to go home. I can see why that's attracted to him. That being said, he could have handled it so much differently. Like just he could have just these guys sign NDAs when they when they sign these live contracts. What do you want him to say? Oh, I'm not even saying uh, own it. Just decline to talk about it. He didn't need to, to get indignant about it. I guess was my point. He didn't need to get indignant about it in Memphis when he was asked by the reporter. Just tell him like, hey, mate, I'm not gonna see. I threw the mate in there because he was Australian. Now I feel bad that I did it. Um, <laughs> I, but that's the way he would have said it because he is a nice guy. Like I know he's coming across as a villain. I didn't think he was indignant. I didn't think he showed any anger. Uh, no, and, and go back and listen to that interview and from Memphis specifically. And yes, I, I listened to it many times. He was he was yeah. annoyed. He was annoyed. And that's him not understanding what our job is. However, I do think he could have handled it differently. And certainly there's a lesson to be learned there. I don't even know who or what's happening in the future, but there is a lesson to be learned there for a player that you, you can tiptoe around this and understand that the reporters are going to ask. You can keep asking, but like, I'm just not going to talk about it. Him getting angry at Cameron Percy because apparently Cameron Percy told someone in the Australian press that he was going, well, you can't get mad at Cameron Percy. Like you're going, you were clearly going like save your, your anger for something else that deserves it. But in this particular case, I'm not saying you can be honest. I know there's non-competes and I don't even think this was a non-compete. This was, he didn't want to say it because he knew there's a, there's a a non-disclosure agreement. He literally can't disclose it. Well, uh, yeah, a non-disclosure. I don't even think that would be the case, though. You don't think Liv Goff would, wouldn't have been more than happy with the idea that, oh, he admitted it after he won the Open at St. Andrews, and now he's going to play through the playoffs with everyone knowing 
that this is the headline. No, because because if he had done that, because if he had done that, PJ Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan has the discretion to suspend him for conduct unbecoming of a member. I believe saying I believe saying that you're going to sign with the rival league as the number two player in the FedEx Cup. I believe yes, that that would have fallen under that category. No, because the way they've handled this and the way they'll handle it this week is Friday morning when those new players, those six players, put a peg in the ground and hit it in, in the event just outside of Boston, the live event just outside of Boston, that's when they'll get their letters from the PGA Tour that you have been suspended. Like, yes. that's the, there, there is a protocol to this. Could the commissioner? Absolutely. I don't think he would have in this, this, this situation. I mean, I look, this that's is like, – that's, isn't, isn't that why guys are afraid of, of saying anything? You don't Because you don't want to potentially put yourself in harm's way for a suspension? I think they didn't want to say anything because they just don't want to become more of a lightning rod. Like if you say something, then now all of a sudden you are going to be the only story that they talk about. And in my mind, Liv Goff probably would have loved that idea. Like Liv Goff wouldn't have minded it at all if we spent the week at East Lake with headlines that said Cam Smith, comma, future Liv Goff player, comma, tied for third after two rounds at East Lake. Like that's what they, they would have wanted. Like Liv Goff doesn't have a problem with that. The PGA Tour would have. And, and yes, the commissioner has a tremendous amount of flexibility when it comes to these types of things. I don't know that he wanted to go that route, though, because, again, this is we're, we're in a court of law now. And, and if you start doing things differently, you have set how these things are going to happen. You're going to get the letter right after you hit that first tee shot. That's the way it's going to work for him to suddenly go outside the lines and be like, you know what? No, nope, we don't like this. You're gone now. I, uh, I think they would have wanted to avoid that. Yeah, I guess it's a, a moot point at this uh, at this juncture since uh, it didn't come to fruition. Uh, just to backtrack on something you said with Cameron Young, kind of uh, to me, he 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 underscores the philosophy that a lot of these guys have, in which they wish that they could do both. They want to be PJ Tour members and they want to to be part of this new team concept with Live Golf. And the fact that he had to choose, he said it wasn't meant to be this divisive. It was meant to be kind of an additive. Uh, thing to the overall PGA Tour structure. Those guys still want to play these legacy events in the PGA Tour, and then probably in the fall or however they can mix it out uh, through the rest of the summer, uh, they can still be league owners and kind of have uh, that aspect too. So I think that's something uh, to watch for moving forward. I don't think we're going to be getting to uh, a compromise anytime soon, Rex, especially as they're currently embroiled uh, in a lawsuit. Uh, but that's, I think, I think Cameron Young is speaking for a lot of players, uh, specifically many who have gone over to live uh, who wish that they could have both. As it pertains to Cameron uh, Smith specifically, and you can read this uh, now on golfchannel.com, just posted uh, my column on this. I I think Cameron Smith is a significant loss uh, for the PGA Tour. And I also wrote Rex uh, that he's a stunning coup for live golf, which to this point has really accumulated a bunch of past to prime talents, post injury guys with a, a bunch of concerns. And I guess you could just call them misfits when, when you're looking at players uh, like Patrick Reed uh, and Bryson DeChambeau and, and Cameron and Cameron Smith in many ways is a game changer because he, he shatters that mold. He is Joaquin. the defending champion. Joaquin, Joaquin, and what Joaquin yeah. does too, uh, to a lesser extent, but, but Cameron Smith uh, is easily, easily the highest ranked player to go over to live golf. He's the only top 15 player uh, who has made the jump. He's the defending champion at two of the five biggest stroke play events of the year. And quite frankly, he's 29 years old in the prime of his career uh, and is coming off a breakout season. You alluded to it uh, in your comments there, but a lot of people had suggested to me that, that Cameron Smith who uh, moved to the U S in 2015 uh, is homesick and he wants to spend as many as three months a year 
uh, at home with his family in Australia. It would be kind of during those winter months for us uh, and summer months uh, for them. He lives in Ponte Vedra uh, currently, but a lot of friends and family uh, have not made the move over. And so to have a little bit more flexibility, have a little bit better uh, work-life balance, it's certainly important. And look, we're not, we're not diminishing uh, the fact that a Brinks truck was backed up to his home and he was uh, given anywhere from $100 million to $150 million, as has been reported. But there were some other elements uh, to Cameron Smith's decision, and I'm sure he'll go into those deeper uh, when he meets with the media Wednesday outside Boston. Uh, no, I agree with that. And, and look, he's going to come across as the villain for, for a lot of different reasons, and it's probably not fair. And we, we could probably – watching But tour, player, tour players like him. Like, I don't, I don't think they view him as, as a villain. I think, it's, I think it's just pro PJ Tour defenders, whether they're fans or otherwise. Well, I mean, I think both of, you, both of us sort of looked up when Rory said what he said about Wentworth in two weeks on Sunday night at Eastlake when he says he, he hates what this is doing to golf. And he, I think the line is, I, I can't stomach the fact that 18 live players are going to be in the BMW PGA field next week on the DP World Tour. I mean, it, there was vitriol in that comment. And look, there's friends of his, or at least former friends of his, that will be in that field. And I, I don't even know if you would qualify Cam Smith. These lines are being drawn very, very deeply. Like, you're right. They, maybe they're friends now. Maybe they used to be friends. But it doesn't seem like that's the way it's going to be going forward. They, there was a moment Sunday, right, when uh, Joaquin Neiman finished up his round that Commissioner Jay Monahan walked over and spent 30 seconds talking to him. And I think, you know, it was cordial. But I'm, I'm going to was, miss you. I'm going to miss you. Please you, you, whatever it is you, that was being said. You bring Tiger's trophy back. Uh, can you lose my phone number? Whatever it is, like I, I don't even know what, what was being said. But in this particular case, and I think you alluded to it earlier in the podcast, and I wrote this, that from a supply and demand point of view, it seems like we're reaching the end of the rope. That It seems like we're getting to the point that it's just going to be a standoff. They have their players. We have our players. We The PGA Tour has, has their players. And we're just it's going to have to see. It's like the U.S. Ryder Cup for you. Uh, it is, we, yeah. Sometimes. We. Uh, and Good I think job. I – five, five bucks. I channeling rory in that one um and you're just going to have to see now it's just where's the economics going to go with this one like like which one of these products is going to survive because because i don't know that i can say only one's going to survive but certainly you would think long term that it's going to be tough to support this at least in the way it is right now because going forward as you pointed out these players left 100 sure they were going to be able to do both which is just mind-boggling to me because I don't know that the commissioner could have been any more clear, but the fact that those guys, those three players who wanted to get the temporary restraining order to play in the first playoff event in Memphis, two of those three were in Memphis. They had made the trip. They were having dinner there on on Tuesday night. I mean, it, it just, it's, it, to me, I feel like the tour had been really clear on this, but those players are bound and determined and still going forward that one day they will be able to come back. And maybe that's the case. I don't see how it happens though. If this is what Liv is going to take away from the PJ Tour for 2023, and as you reported, Mito Pereira uh, has either signed, will sign, uh, and will join the rival league uh, in 2023. If that's the hall, and you include Harold Varner III, who won the Saudi event but not on the PJ Tour, uh, Mark Leishman, who has been a successful PJ Tour player, uh, although he has uh, dipped in form recently, Cameron Tringali, uh, who currently holds the title as the wealthiest PJ Tour player without a win on the PJ Tour, and Anaban Lahiri, uh, who has not won 
on the PJ Tour as well, but who contended deep uh, into the Players' Championship. Rex, here's a, here's a fun fact for you. Top three 2022 Players' Championship leaderboard, all three have gone to live. Cam Smith, Annabon Lahiri, and Paul Casey. But if this is the haul that Liv has for 2023, how do you think PJ Tour brass are viewing it? There was, I, I, I believe, a, a, a growing suspicion that there may be a, some sort of mass exodus uh, earlier this summer that didn't come to fruition. But when you look at this in totality, the slow drip, what it has added up to, 12 of the past 26 major winners are now Liv members, five of the PGA Tour's top 10 needle, needle movers, as, as per their own metrics, uh, have now jumped ship. Do you believe that they are walking away with this relieved, wounded, satisfied? Like, what's, what's their thinking right now? Oh, wounded. I mean, you just lost the number two ranked player in the world, as you pointed out, the player's champion, their champion, the, the open champion, the open champion. All of those things like that means something. I mean, maybe you were a Cam Smith fan. Maybe you weren't a Cam Smith fan. There was a little bit of personality there. Everyone loved the hair. Couldn't deny what he was doing on the golf course in, in a breakout season. I mean, I'm sure in Ponte Vedra, they're going to spin this certain ways, but that one's going to hurt. Joaquin Neiman is going to hurt. You had a 23 year old. I don't want to say generational talent, but certainly having come from Chile. Randall Chambly, huge fan of Joaquin Neiman. Oh yeah. Like there was, there, there, there was value in both of those players that went beyond what they did on the golf course. And I think that's when we talk about these top 20 players who will be sort of zeroed in on starting next season on the PGA tour as the quote unquote top players, both of them would have been in that top 20. I truly believe that certainly Cam Smith. And I do think Joaquin was heading in that direction. Bryson DeChambeau. I think you just referenced him and sort of dismissed the idea. I mean, he was the biggest needle mover last year in in all of golf. I mean, how he didn't didn't win the pip is, is a travesty. Well, yeah, and that's, this goes to the conversation we had last week about the PIP. But I, there was nothing in golf that happened last year that didn't involve one way or the other, good or bad, Bryson DeChambeau. Brooks Kepka. I mean, look, he, he suddenly became the villain that everyone loved to hate, but everybody needs a villain, and he was our villain. And he was an easy guy to go after, and he, he, he is going to be missed. Phil Mickelson. I mean, before this all happened and whatever happened in February happened to Phil and and he put himself in self-imposed exile, he was still very much a needle mover on the PGA Tour. It hurts when you start looking at this piece by piece and putting together what the tour has lost. Yes, it hurts. Now, do they have momentum? And I think we talked about this last week. Yes, they won the TRO. Those players weren't allowed to play in the playoffs. That was a huge victory. They had Rory and Tiger stand up for everyone in the middle of a meeting and say, this is what we're going to do. That's huge. They were able to announce last week and change at breakneck speed, which they do not do, all of these major changes. Now, they have momentum, and you're going to have to see where it goes next year. But, yeah, I don't think there's any way you can spin this year. And and that was kind of my column leaving Eastlake. I mean, you have to view everything that happened this year through the lens that is Live Golf, and it was bad for the PGA Tour. Yeah, I, I think it was certainly damaging for the product. I don't think those guys are easily replaced. I mean, Phil Mickelson is a once-in-a-generation talent, the second most popular player in the sport. He can't be easily replaced. Bryson DeChambeau was such a polarizing uh, figure uh, and, and, and a star attraction when he turned up to tournaments. Uh, you, those, those players just aren't on the Corn Ferry Tour waiting to, to earn, their, earn their spot and their stage once they get uh, to the PJ Tour, Brooks Kepka, four-time major winner, Dustin Johnson, two-time major winner. Like the list goes on and on. However, all that said, uh, I think PJ Tour brass is probably a little relieved that it's not worse, as, as, and, and particularly this latest wave 
of defection that it is quote unquote just Cameron Smith and Joaquin Neiman. And look, we could be surprised, I guess, over these next couple of months, as, as we mentioned, uh, I, I think it's just a leverage play from, from Greg Norman, the live folks saying, Hey, we're all filled up. No more spots for you uh, to kind of drive down the price for some of these perspective guys. However, when you look at some of these players, Rex, who have been linked rumored uh, to join uh, the tour over these past couple of months, whether it's Patrick Cantley and Xander Shoffley or Victor Hovland or Hideki Matsuyama, who reportedly turned down an astronomical number uh, in order to remain committed to the PJ Tour. Even Cameron Young, the presumptive uh, rookie of the year on the PJ Tour, all of those guys could have gone to live, in, in which I think that would have uh, totally decimated the PJ, PJ Tour if they were able to swipe that many top 20 players. Instead, to lose, quote-unquote, just two top 20 players, uh, and, and probably a player in, in Cameron Smith whose who's window for brilliance uh, was probably limited to, to three or five years before uh, he sought a, a couple of other interests. I, I, I still think there's a sense of relief that this didn't get as bad as many had feared. And I think there's a sense of confidence that what they have answered with will work, that this new schedule, that these new top players, that these elevated events, they're going to fill that void what they want. They want some sort of guaranteed money. And they have found a way to do it. Again, I don't know if it's sustainable. And certainly there's a business and economic model here that needs to be flushed out. But yeah, I would say there's confidence, certainly. And again, momentum coming off of the way the tour yeah, championship. I think, I think there's, I think there's confidence. Any better. Yeah, I think there's confidence. I think there's now a sense of empowerment that players uh, probably didn't feel. Uh, otherwise, that was kind of one of Phil Mickelson's main gripes with the PGA Tour. And of course, he went about it uh, entirely the wrong way, but he thought that the star players did not have a big enough voice uh, in examining the overall tour product and that the tour kind of catered too much to the middle class. That has been reversed uh, probably long overdue. Uh, And so I think this is a sense of empowerment for those players. And I don't think they will be as hesitant uh, in voicing uh, those concerns. Rex, one thing that I had totally glossed over during our PJ tour discussion was awards. We have to do awards. I feel foolish having left this out. So we're going to circle back, folks. Uh, if we had a, if we had oh. a crafty uh, editing team, we could, we could splice this and, and put it before the live discussion. Instead, if you've uh, tagged along for this long, I think you'll be, rel- you'll be well rewarded uh, with some entertaining uh, awards discussion. All right, Rex, biggest story in golf. I, I have a feeling like you, you know where you're going uh, for the PGA Tour season. I mean, live golf. Yes. Do you have another contentious, one? Contentious, contentious, combative. It's tribal, it's tribal was the word that Rory used Sunday night. I kind of, you get an idea how fractured it is. You, you got Tiger on a plane to fly all the way to Delaware. I mean, all of these things. And again, the, the story I wrote Sunday night is, is I picked up in February. And I know that there were, were events before February, but it, it all starts in Los Angeles at Tiger's event. And it seems like we're hearing the rumors, the drumbeat is getting louder and louder that there's going to be a, a rash of players that leave the PGA tour for live golf. And then this article drops on firepitcollective.com where Phil Mickelson is saying just outrageous things about both the Saudis and the PGA tour, which I never understood. Like you burn both bridges down all the houses. You just took everything out. You just wanted to, and yet he's to- still got a report at 200 mil. He, de- yes. he denigrated everyone and any and anything in his path and still was rewarded with half a billion dollars or excuse me, a, it- a fifth of a billion dollars. And that comes apart and then everything that happens from there. And, you know, you can like the way I did it is every week there was a winner and every week it seemed like there was something that was coming from Live Golf that was just 
another wave. Like it was just one more wave that bounced against the wall. And I think as we got, as we get to this point, again, I feel like, and I'm sure there's probably going to be more players that end up going, whether if that's this year or next year, whatever the case may be, because I just think individuals are motivated by vastly different things. But the one thing that connects us all is money. And eventually a lot of these players are going to get a number that's going to be impossible for them to turn down. That being said, we just had a lengthy discussion about the Tories answer. So I, I'm not saying all is lost. Uh, I'm just saying that this year is going to be the year that live golf emerged as what it is, a true threat. It, it dominated everything inside and outside the ropes. If you look back at the four major championships this year, I guarantee you there was some uh, variation of golf needed this. Uh, we can finally focus on the golf. Like those columns were written after each and every major championship because live uh, was not dominating uh, those discussions. I'm sure once the masters turns around and you see some of those live players uh, in the field, they're assuming they don't get banned. Uh, it will once again be a story. How about your best player during the tour season? Well, it's got to go to Scotty Scheffler. And it's interesting because you, you slapped me across the face with this right before we started the podcast. And it was 30 seconds. We're about to come on air. And your, your comment was, I don't want to catch a blind on this one. Well, yeah, thanks for the 30 second head start. You just I got a 15. It. You just got a 50 minute head start. You could have been looking up stats. You could have been I, looking I, up I actually was. <laughs> defense. <laughs> Because as I was moving around the house, I was actually doing that as you were going on one of your four-minute diatribes about whatever it is you're babbling on about. Uh, I will say Scotty Scheffler. And you could say he had the best spring, or you could say he had the best year. I mean, it, we, at this point, it's semantic. Certainly, Roy McIlroy was in the conversation. Certainly, Cameron Smith should be in the conversation. We're going to sit here and have a player of the year debate. It can be a debate, but I think I, when I get to the end of that rainbow, it's Scotty Scheffler. Interesting enough, the tournament I picked does not shine very that the non-major tournament I picked does not shine very good on Scotty. For best player, ooh, what a tease that was. Uh, for best player, Rory McIlroy played the best golf uh, this season. Sure. Top tens in every major championship. He was statistically, statistically the best performer on the PGA Tour this year. He led in strokes gain uh, total. Rory McIlroy played the best golf. Scotty Scheffler performed the best. Four wins, uh, almost nabbed another major at the U.S. Open and almost nabbed the FedEx Cup. So Scotty Scheffler performed the best. Roy McIlroy played the best. Uh, those are my awards. You, you, I see the sausage finger up. Well, and to that point, and Trip dropped this last night on the show, and I hadn't heard this one. If you go back to, I, I believe, the West Coast and proximity to the hole for Rory, I think he ranked 208 out of 209 players in proximity to the hole. He now, since then, he ranks first. He improved that by 10 feet on average. That, that's amazing to me. It's almost like he wasn't trying to start out the year and they, Oh yeah, I have to play golf. I mean, it was an amazing stat. Uh, that is an amazing stat. I did not know that. Uh, I did know, however, that he has uh, improved markedly uh, on the greens over the past three seasons as well. He's now just outside the top 10 in strokes game putting. I think that's a huge reason why he has elevated his game to an even higher plane. How about best non major tournament at the end of the year podcast? We'll get into best major performances. How about best non major uh, during this tour season? Uh, I had a hard time with this one. That's what I spent most of the 50 minutes trying to figure because it out. Because we talked about too much live this year. That's why. That's probably why. But then it, it hit me like a ton of bricks. It was the Charles Schwab Challenge at Colonial is the one. And here's why. Like, I, it was a good playoff, and it was Scotty Scheffler, and it was Sam Burns, who are friends. And, and it was the best element friends. of uh, best friends. Uh, they both had to go to the same wedding, actually, right after that tournament. They were both getting on a plane to go to the same wedding after that one. However, I guess the part that sticks out to me, Sam Burns started that final round 
seven strokes back. And Scotty Scheffler, I believe, shot two over in the final round. So again, it doesn't bode well. Feels like a trend. <laughs> feels like a yes. trend. Sound familiar at all? Does that anyone? Is this on? Hello? Does that sound familiar? Um, but it was uh, to me, it was probably the best finish. And I remember talking with Scotty when he came off the course. He didn't want to talk to me. He's like, I'm, I'm not going to be in the conversation at the end of the day. He finished almost two hours before Scotty did. It was, it was just one of those kind of days. Uh, that's a good call. Uh, I think you're biased because you actually covered that one. Up uh, my pick. I cover the, most of them. Is the yes those those sea level tournaments? Yes, of course you do. Uh, the <laughs> the best non major tournament was the Canadian Open, uh, in my opinion. Another tournament that was won by Roy McIlroy that involved a Sunday duel with Justin Thomas and Tony Finau. Birdies uh, were a plenty, uh, just like uh, Roy winning the FedEx Cup against the backdrop of more live defections. This was played against the backdrop of the first live event, which finished up. A day earlier, Roy memorably had uh, the dig at Greg Norman uh, that, that this moved him one ahead of Norman on the PGA Tour wins list. Uh, he always me, has the dig. best. He always has a dig. Always, always has a dig. Just, tr- just tremendous. I wonder if he has like his own research team in order to just feed him these little grievances that he can air out uh, in his very cheeky manner. I'd also give Rex honorable mention for best tournaments uh, to the Phoenix Open. That was kind of the breakout. Uh, for Sahith Thagala, also then had a playoff between Scotty, which he won, uh, and Patrick Cantlay. And I would even say uh, RBC Heritage, the week after the Masters, always kind of a sleepy event on the tour schedule. But this one, uh, you had Spieth getting in the clubhouse early, a bunch of guys yakking all over themselves, coming down the stretch, and then Spieth beating Patrick Cantlay, who had the buried lie in the, in the bunker on the playoff, uh, as being a great non-major tournament as well. Not everything can be positive on this on this podcast, Rex. You and I are very oh. much the optimists. We do not criticize. We do not analyze. Uh, I say very much uh, tongue in cheek. But how about most disappointing player during this tour season? Uh, well, Phil, I guess, but that's probably not fair. I mean, it, I don't know how I didn't. Did he even play on tour? Did he even play uh, on for the season? He did not. I don't believe he put a peg in nope, the ground. I take uh, that back. He played at Kapalua. Uh, that was, oh, that's that right. Was his, that was his make good for the for the pip. Yep. Yep. Um, but yeah, I would say that's disappointing. And and look, he was motivated by what a whatever. cop out for me. Did you actually have you had high expectations for Phil Mickelson this season? Oh, this isn't competitive based. I, I didn't have. I I knew he wasn't going to play well. Although he was the PGA champion. I'm asking competitively based. Who did you have no. high expectations for as a player, and who let you down? Um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, honestly, I don't know. I gave I mean, you 55 Dollar. minutes. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to go with Phil. Like, it's just, it's disappointing that he, it, yeah. I, I don't know how you don't pick Phil Mickelson for disappointing. How, how, he's led the charge. He has now I turned. Two, I have two answers. With cl- it. And Phil wouldn't even cross my mind. Uh, I, I love the way you keep throwing your hands in the air. Kaz, please just clip this video. It's just exasperated, head in hand. Your hair looks great, uh, by the way. Thank you. Uh, most disappointing players. Uh, these are, these are uh, co-champions for me. Uh, it's John Rahm. And Colin Moore, a cow. You start with John Rahm. Oh, wow. uh, I, I actually predicted him. If you look back at our punch at the beginning of the year, I thought John Rahm would win two major championships this year. Instead, he really didn't factor in any of them. The only one in which he was uh, remotely in contention was with uh, the U.S. Open, and he backed it up, I believe, with a 75 uh, in the final round. Just a, a highly disappointing day. And Colin Morikawa, by his own admission, uh, had a very disappointing season in 2021 2022. I keep circling back to what I predicted at the beginning of the year. Colin Morikawa was my player of the year. Ended up not winning during the tour season, which was unfathomable to me considering how he's played 
uh, early in his tour career. Uh, had a couple of top fives in the majors, but even those, he said, uh, he didn't have realistic chances uh, to win. Uh, I I would I would be very surprised if Colin Morikawa uh, did not bounce back in a major way in 2022-2023. Gets his ball striking uh, a little bit sharper than it was this season. Uh, he will be back to his winning ways. How about Rex, player on the rise? Big expectations for next year. Who can only disappoint you? Uh, I, I only have one answer for this. I, I, you have to have the same answer, do you not? Cam Young. I mean, when you look at what he did in his rookie season, five runner-up finishes. He did not win. I, I know that's going to be where you, what you're going to go to. Five runner-up finishes, two third-place finishes. He contended at both the PGA Championship and the Open Championship. Rookie, makes it to East Lake. all of those things. I mean, he just proved to be a very special player. And again, this goes to the idea, and Rory talked about this. Like, why do you play so well at Eastlake? Because I play well here every year. And I give myself a chance here every year. So I get to get to the back nine on Sunday and at least have a chance. And let's just see the way it plays out. In Cam Young's case, it's going to be the exact same thing. I would be shocked next year if he didn't have at least one victory. And I'm guessing it's going to be multiple. Assuming that he's uh, uh, hearing that he's now committed uh, to the PGA Tour makes me a little bit more bullish on his prospects. For for mine, Rex, it's Will Zalatoris. We had been waiting for him to break through all season long finally had that moment at the playoff opener in Memphis, that highly entertaining uh, playoff. That was actually, I could have put that as my best non-major tournament uh, of the year, uh, the FedEx St. Jude championship. And, and so he, 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 he burst now to number one in the FedEx cup and then has kind of a fluky back injury at the BMW championship, which unfortunately cost him a lot of money, 17 and a half million dollars potentially in FedEx cup <laughs> bonus money. It's keeping him, off next month's U.S. President's Cup roster. So uh, speedy recovery uh, to Will Zalatoris because uh, that was the first of many tour wins. The dude is the absolute complete package. I think he has star potential. He's incredibly well-spoken, very thoughtful guy, has a lot of opinions, uh, and he has a well-rounded game. Um, and, and I believe uh, a, a lot of class uh, in grace that Rory uh, McIlroy also exhibits. Who is your early pick? for PJ tour player of the year for this upcoming season. I mean, it's being a prisoner at the moment, but it's going to be Rory for me. I just think when you all the things that you just pointed out and for all the reasons that why it's a good conversation to see who the player of the year is this year, going into next year, I have to believe that he finally gets off the major schneid, right? I mean, eventually, whether if that's at Augusta, which is the one he wants or somewhere else, I have to believe that you don't play as well as he did this year, specifically in the majors. Like just go to, to his performance, top 10 in every single major championship. And it, the thing about Rory, in all of those cases, and I'm sure you and I both wrote about this, it was always just one thing. Whatever, whatever that one thing was that we didn't get off to a good start, stumbled on Thursday, or got off to a good start and then didn't sustain it on, on Friday and Saturday and then finished big, whatever the case may be, it's always just one thing. And eventually, he's got to figure those, that one thing out, does he not? He's too good. He's too experienced. He's too clear-headed, all of those things that go into it. So I'm going to go with Rory. Yeah, that's certainly a, that's certainly a fine pick. You look at his major performance, and, I, and I'm with you. Like It seems mind-boggling that he could not get off the schneid uh, next year, 64 in the final round, uh, kind what of backdoor, a runner-up finish. You know I, have, I have no idea, but I like, I like the word. Uh, U.S. Open and the PGA Championship, he both had disappointing third rounds to knock himself out of contention. And of course, the Open Championship. I mean, he was the co-leader through 54 holes with Victor Hovland, was four shots clear of the rest of the field, uh, and he did not 
get that done. However, I'm going a different direction for my player of the year. It is Xander Shoffley, back-to-back wins that he had uh, this summer. I would argue uh, the most complete player on the PJ Tour, probably could share that title uh, with his good buddy, uh, Patrick Cantlay. He has learned now, Rex, to win uh, in myriad ways, not just coming from behind, as he had proven to do over the first couple years of his career, but now he could even win as the front runner. So Xander Schauffele, high expectations for him. He is my player of the year for the upcoming season. Last one. What are you most looking forward to uh, for the next tour season? Uh, well, it's always the Masters, but that one's easy. I, I would say the Ryder Cup. And look, I don't know that this course is going to be very good or, or even in very good condition. I guess we'll find out in a couple of weeks when they play the Italian Open at Marco Simone. Is that, that, that how you yes, say it? Yes, well done. Thank you. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the idea of a Ryder Cup just outside of Rome, that, that didn't get you fired up. You don't like circle that one on the menu and be like, yes, please give me some of that. I mean, just the idea. And I will say this just so you're that's, clear. That's literally, that's literally what my wife said. Yes, please give me some of that. Uh, the bunkmate will be along as well, so it should be an interesting. Oh, do you think? Do you think they can? Do you think they can gallivant together? Yes, I'm sure they, they'll just make a whole trip out of it. And oh yeah, the, the clowns are still working. Keep moving. When do they stop talking? Yeah, I'm curious to see if she's going to tag on to the beginning of that because I'm covering the Solheim Cup in Italy in um, in Spain, and then uh, the following week is the Ryder Cup in Italy. I I wonder which one she's going to uh, latch onto because three weeks uh, away from home is not my idea of fun. Uh, I did a month this year in the UK, and it wasn't bad. We, we had a good time. I had the you have with you have grown children who no longer depend on you. Grown children, I might add, uh, who have excluded me uh, from your upcoming uh, fantasy yeah. football draft. Uh, please feel hearted. free. Please feel free to shame Rex uh, on Twitter. Nope. I I had started uh, mock Not drafting. Uh, I'd gone to the bank uh, to get a, a couple twenties that I could have paid uh, for the league entry fee. Uh, I was looking up rankings. Uh, doing my own rankings. I was uh, consulting fantasy experts uh, uh, far and wide. And yet Rex tells me uh, at the tour championship that I will not be part of his stupid 10 person league in which there was a $20 buy. And I didn't even want it anyway with a snake format. Who plays a snake format in 2022? I'm glad you didn't want it. It's um, I can tell by the sound of your voice. You didn't want it at all. I'm, I'm glad this is something that you didn't want to do. I'm not sure. Uh, I explained ever, this to you. I'm not sure that I'll ever recover. My middle son, Cole, I'll name him, uh, got out over a ski. Trevor uh, got out over his skis on this one, and he was very excited when you mentioned, "Oh, I'd like to be in the league." Yeah, twelve person league. That'd be great. And then he immediately went to his room and started doing the math, and realized he came back out and he realized it's going to be so much more work, and you actually have to prepare for a draft. There's two more teams. So much more work. There's 24 players more that are drafted. I'm, I'm telling you, like that was just his mindset and he came back out and he called it off like it was a done deal. And, and he is the co-commissioner. So it's me. It's one other dad from the neighborhood. And then it's eight of our kids and friends, of, friends of kids and whatever. So it's uh, and that's the reason it's twenty dollars. Like, I'll go in for more than who's $20. The, who's the other who's the other co-commissioner? Uh, no, it's just me and him. We're co-commissioners. Right. He, so he you have a vote for yes and he has a vote for no. And then I feel like the tiebreaker should be the other adult who's in the group. Why don't you ask your, why don't you ask the other father? Okay. I'm glad this isn't important to you at all. No, I definitely not prepared uh, myself mentally uh, to be a part of this league. <laughs> the only, the only good thing is that I actually pushed, I, I'd actually succeeded. If you were listening to the podcast last week, I actually succeeded in having them push uh, the deadline back uh, for the fantasy football draft. Uh, to Monday. the very important day of, of, of Labor Day, which is when uh, my other draft is 
as well. Rex, you're home many, for wait, a little wait, bit wait. of time. Many, that's what Hold I was going to ask. How many leagues yeah. are you in? Because you're in more than one league already. No, I've, I've, I've finally winnowed it down to one. Uh, I had been in three or four, and uh, for some reason, my family uh, is going to come first on this. I, I love fantasy football. If I ever leave Golf Channel, I am sure uh, that I will get into some sort of fantasy football analysis if I don't uh, pursue my long-ago career of a, of a music producer. Uh, then I would definitely get into fantasy football uh, analysis. Love it. Uh, can't wait for the season to begin and I'm wounded deeply, even more than the PJ tour with some of the lib defections. I'm wounded deeply uh, by my exclusion. Such a, such an Indian giver. Can I change? Not me. You keep throwing this on me. It wasn't me. Uh, can I change my vote for what I'm looking forward to most next year? It's clearly going to be the PGA championship and DJ city mouth coming at us. Yeah. Can I change that? <laughs> there will be a live concert outside my uh, father's house in Fairport, which is about 10 minutes. Uh, drive from Oko. Yeah, we could we could probably arrange. We could probably arrange you a listening party. Mouse laying down some beats. T. Lou could come in for a little karaoke uh, afterward. Uh, I'm sure uh, no one has no. There's no one listening who has any idea what we are talking about. Nor are we going really to lab when he was growing any, up. Any uh, like to do uh, like to rap, and he yeah. did original lyrics. Mixtapes. Yeah, mixtapes. he did mixtapes, but he did original lyrics to establish beats. Is that the way you would say it? covers or yes. whatever i would i would go on napster download like cool instrumental beats and then i would uh, rap to it originally so somewhere in upstate new york there's a drawer in western his, new york finger likes yeah all right western new york there, there there's a box of tapes of you rapping in high school with your two earrings and your frosted tip hair and the, and you that rapping about the hard streets of rochester is that what you're telling me yeah uh, yeah i mean there's there are three or four mixtapes uh, that are on cassettes, of course, uh, very poor audio quality. But yes, they do exist. And actually, as I was making my five-hour drive uh, from uh, Atlanta to, to Ponte Vedra, and every so often a good beat would, would pop on as I'm going through my iTunes uh, library, I said, huh, I wonder if I could lay something down over this beat. That actually oh, popped no. into my head. I think I, think I, might, I think I might resume my career. You think so? If this doesn't play out, I mean, this is a contract year for you. So if this doesn't work out, I mean, this doesn't work a- out. I got I got one month left until I uh, potentially am not renewed, uh, at which point I can explore other options, including uh, working for uh, Def Jam. Uh, that's the way to do it. You could do it uh, a whole bunch of different different ways. But I, I would I would argue that even if it does work out, even if you do uh, get a new contract you should you should look into this new career because there there it is right there for those of you yeah, there it see. is if if only we knew how to do photoshop uh you could have put me uh on that dmx i, I didn't uh, know how to cover want to put it on there so bad but i i don't know how to do it Sorry. such a shame uh rex you may be going to wentworth next week who, who really knows uh at this point while you are home uh college football uh, begins in earnest this week you have your fantasy football draft on monday what are you putting on the grill uh, I'm going to do a pork butt on Monday. I've already talked about it. And uh, oh, no, I'm sorry, Sunday, because it's my son. My son's 18th birthday is today. My youngest son, Luke Joseph. Oh, always love you. Birthday. Yeah. Uh, so he's having a big birthday party on Sunday. So I'm going to be the cook. So I was talking to my wife this morning. So I'm, I'm going to start a pork butt early and there'll be hamburgers and hot dogs and everything else. But, uh, oh, that's don't, don't screw it up. Uh, yep. We could certainly uh, superimpose myself uh, on that body uh, as well. Uh, thank you for asking what I'm going to be doing this week. Uh, what I'm not uh, playing uh, extremely mediocre golf uh, on Saturday, as I mentioned, the Georgia game. And so I'm going to be firing up two grills. I'm going to do uh, some pulled 
chicken barbecue sliders. Uh, I'll do a, a bacon wrapped uh, pork tenderloin, and I'll probably also smoke uh, some meatballs. That is a that is a meal uh, that my wow. entire family, including two under the age of four, uh, can enjoy uh, while I see Georgia absolutely destroy Dan Lanning, uh, the former defensive coordinator and now current coach of Oregon. It should be a great Saturday. But thank you guys for listening to this edition of the Golf Central podcast presented by Callaway Golf. We will talk to you next week when we get a full breakdown of Rex's Fantasy Football League, in which I am no longer invited. Rest in power, Reckon. <laughs> <laughs>